but just talk back when I ask you to. So we are wrapping up the series on questions. So we started through the summer. It's been something I've been doing for the last couple of years. It's a way of kind of have you share your questions, and then through the summer we work through through that. Next week we're going to be talking about Jonah, right? How many of you remember the story of Jonah, right? Remember when he's in the belly of the fish and he can't see and he lights the lantern and then he gets spit out? Oh, that's Pinocchio. Oh, man, I studied all week. I grabbed the wrong Bible. I grabbed the Disney version of the Bible. All right. Well, anyway, next week we're going to be looking at Jonah. Great story about a minor prophet who... Uh, decided to do his own thing and go his own direction, and uh, God seems to bring him back. Very practical, much uh, like our world. He didn't want to go to Nineveh because basically the folks there were unpleasant, mean people, and they were destructive, and he didn't want to go there and minister to them. And I think sometimes we kind of feel that way in our life. It's like, I don't want to go to those people. Those people are trouble, right? And really we're called to go to all people, even the ones who are unlovable, because last time I checked and I looked down on the stage into the, in the congregation, I found a whole group of people who were unlovable, right? And when you looked up on the stage last week, you found a pastor who was unlovable, right? Because we're all in the same boat with that. All right, so today we're going to look at how do I get guidance from God? And this is kind of from last week. We looked at how to hear from God, and we're going to take it the next step. And this is a very practical way of looking at it and and looking through a a very systematic steps of way of getting guidance from God, all right? Now, I got a a confession to make before we get going. What drives me crazy, and our church has one, is the automated phone systems. Anybody hate those, right? Where you get the call, it's never a live person, but if you do call from 830 to 2, you'll get a live person here. And then after 2, the pastors are here, none of us are alive, all right? So we're all dead robots. So, but, but, you know, you call, right? And then it says, if you would like accounts payable, press one. If you would like accounts, you know, whatever it is, right? And the ones that drive me even more crazy are the ones that are like voice activated, right? And in a short phrase, tell me what your problem is, right? I'm going to kill someone. That's my problem. Did you say you needed medication, right? <laughs> like, yeah, all right? And, and so it just drives you crazy when you do it, right? So, but, but here's, my, here's my theory. I wish when it came to guidance from God that it was more like an automated vo- uh, voice system. That we could just call heaven, right? 777, star, pound, right? Hashtag, whatever it is, right? And God answers, wouldn't it be great? Do you want to know how to get here? Look at John 3.16, right? If you're looking for guidance in your life, press two. Is guidance for family, for job, for finances? Press three, right? Wouldn't it be great and you could just press three or press two and you would just get sorted right there, right? And you could say, I have a question about whatever it is. And then, the, and then it would sort you to that answer. You could dial the, uh, the, the response in your phone, and poof, 45 seconds later, you could get up, you got the answer, and you're done. Wouldn't that be great? Doesn't work that way, does it? Not at all, right? Not at all. And yet, from my experience, 
what I typically hear isn't, hey, God guided me, and it was so right on, and it was so wonderful, and life is going so well, I can't even stand myself. So I called you, Pastor Dan, just to share how wonderful life is. I don't get those calls. I get the call that sounds something like this. I was looking for God's guidance. He was silent, so I played Rochambeau with God. I drew the short stick, right? I thought it was the right way. I thought it was the right choice. I went in that direction, and man, I stepped in it. And I am up to my neck. And so now let me tell you about all the problems that I caused in the back. We got body parts, pieces, carnage all over the place. And so, Pastor Dan, we're looking for a little bit of advice to kind of put Humpty Dumpty back together again. That's the story that I hear more often than not. And so I thought it would be important that we kind of look at and walk through Scripture as far as getting guidance in our life. How does it work? Because I do believe that God is a personal God, and I think he has a personal relationship with his children, and he wants to speak into our lives. I don't think God is silent. I think he speaks, and he wants to speak into our lives. And so we look through Scripture, and we actually find a situation in which Habakkuk had six questions that he had forgotten. And he wanted an answer. And in Habakkuk chapter 1, he goes through and he asks God all these questions. Now, his questions weren't so much about relationship and jobs and so forth, but the principle of what God walks him through is applicable to us. Habakkuk, you don't have to go there, but in chapter 1, he talks about, uh, he, he talks about how, how, how long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? You ever feel that way with God? Right? Well, why is it that I have to look at injustice? Why is it that, 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 that God isn't raining uh, uh, pain and hardship on the people who are disobedient to God? Why is it that I have to watch violence in this world? You know, and so he goes through a series of six questions in chapter 1, and he wants an answer. Well, in chapter 2, God takes him through the steps that are necessary in order for him to receive the guidance. And then in chapter 3, he, and we'll look at this, the last principle, he worships God because God spoke to him and gave him clarity in what he needs to do. And so the principle is the same. If you're interested in receiving guidance from God and you're, t- and you're finished with doing the Rochambeau, right, or, or, or you get, and here's, we'll look at this in Jonah's story, um, it's like, well, you know, I prayed and it, all of a sudden it just like, the coincidence happened and there it was. Right, and the, and the principle in Jonah's story is there's always a boat at the dock going the wrong direction. Okay, so if you just rely completely on a boat at a dock, and you say there's the will of God, <laughs> that's the story of Jonah. Right, he went to the dock and there was a boat going in the wrong direction. Right, so there's more to discerning God's will in our life than just looking for a boat at a dock and saying, oh, there it is. And so let's walk through very practical, and it's going to be pretty, pretty straightforward, easy to go, easy to go, and you'll be able to put a bow on it, apply it in your life, and use it tomorrow. Isn't that great? Are you tired of stepping in it? Anybody? Come on. You like it. You like it? All right. Good for you guys. All right. Chapter 2, Habakkuk chapter 1, or verse 1. Here we go. Top of your outline. I will stand at, and we'll go through each of these, I will stand at my watch and station myself 
on the rampart. I will look to see what he has to say to me and what answer uh, I am to give to this complaint. And then he has the six questions that he asked in verse 2. <clears throat> when the Lord repl- then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Verse 3. The revelation awaits an appointed time. Uh, uh, it speaks of the end and will not prove false, right? So he's going to tell about how bad it's going to get. Although it lingers, and there's a struggle for us, wait for it. It will certainly come, uh, come and not delay. So let's take a look as we walk through these six steps that God leads Habakkuk to receive guidance from God. All right, so let's go. Number one in your outline is you've got to want. And the first word is there, fill in the blank, the word want. And that is that I must want to hear from God. All right. Now, I know in church, because we always have the church answers, it's like, well, that's a kind of a crazy idea. We're here today. Of course we want to hear from God. Come on, be serious. Right? You don't negotiate with God. You don't say, God, I got a great idea. I just need you to bless it. God, here's my idea. I just want eep, 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 and I want you to throw some pixie dust on it and make it happen. Right? See, here, here's the thing that we need to get to the point in our life. Well, that we're humble enough on the front end that before we even ask for direction, we're willing to say, God, yes, to whatever you're going to say to me. See, that's tough. Because what we want is our will, and we want him to come along and bless us. And when we have that, and we kind of have, you know, it's the old thing, you know, don't confuse me, my mind's already made up. You know, don't confuse me with the facts, my mind's already made up. Right? And, And so we get, we have a very narrow view, and we begin to see it. From our perspective. And so he says in in verse 1 there. He says I will. It's a choice that he's making. He wants to get God's direction. And so Habakkuk says. I will go stand my watch. It's a choice in which he makes. Now we're going to use David. King David as we go through. Because David had a lot of uh, similar experiences. As he worked through. And so Psalms 85 uh, verse 8. Here's what David says. I will listen to what God the Lord will say. And look what he says in in chapter 40. I desire to do your will, oh my God. Right? And so there's not only just the idea of listening to God, but it's the idea, God, I will do it before you even tell me what I'm going to do. I'm going to be obedient to you. Now, when it comes to guidance in our life, too often we already have an idea. We want to know where we're going to go. We want to know what job we're going to have, where we're going to live, who we're, you know, we're going to marry, all that kind of stuff. It's like we already have it all figured out. And God says, well, no, you need to first wait and allow me to speak into your life first. Then you could go to the next step. But we already have our mind made up, and as a result of it, it becomes a problem. And too often, folks, if you're really honest, we do a whole lot of negotiating with God. We're constantly negotiating with God, trying to get a better deal in which we think. And how crazy is that? God knows your yesterday, today, and your tomorrow. You don't even know where you're eating lunch today. And that's like 45 minutes from now, right? And so you're willing to roll the dice on your knowledge 
and ask God, even though you're sovereign, even though you know everything, you know all my weaknesses and all my strengths, I'm just going to park you over here, keep your opinion to yourself, and if I really get into a mess, I'll call you, and then at that point I'll kind of weigh out what you have to say to me. I mean, it's crazy. And yet, we do it. And then we find ourselves in a mess, and we scratch our head, and we say, well, I prayed about it. Well, yeah, but did you want to listen to what he had to say? Oh, well, that's a whole different story, right? I, I, I sought out God, and yet we find ourselves, again, over and over and over in, 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 a, in a bad place, right? And so as we sit here today, let me just kind of throw this out to you. As you sit here today, you are as close in the will of God and as close to God as you want to be. Don't say your husband, your ex, your job, your next-door neighbor, Pastor Dan, Eric, whoever. You are either in the dead center of the will of God and as close to God as you want to be. No circumstances or situations are preventing you from that. And so I go back to the want. Do you really want to hear from God? See, I, I think, and I'll throw out the proposal, I think we have our own life figured out and we want God to just bless us. That's really what we're seeking. And then we get frustrated internally when we don't experience that be because we're not hearing and we're not getting the direction and things don't turn out the way that they're supposed to and we're frustrated. Number two, the second thing is to withdraw, to get alone in a quiet place. All right, so we're going to want to hear from God, and then we need to withdraw to a place where we're alone. In verse uh, 1 goes on, and he says, I will stand my watch uh, 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 my watch, and station myself. And that, in the Hebrew, that phrase myself means to, to withdraw to a quiet place. All right, and he uses it, and I will stand my watch on the ramparts. Now, I don't know if we don't really have that. We hear it in the national anthem, but it's, it's typically a wall on the top of, uh, around a building or around a community, and in most cases, it's walked by a guard to keep the area protected. But in this case, the Hebrew expression is, it's, it's a visual sign of a person rising above the crazy chatterness of everyone down below, all right? So the person rises above all the chatter, all the busyness of the community, and he is going to withdraw himself where he's not hearing all the this, this stuff that's taking, taking place. And I would, you know, submit to you, as much as I love my smartphone, and you can email and text and look at your schedule, and you can do all these different things. When you're lost, you can figure out where you're at. But the reality is, it is difficult in our world to withdraw from the noise. Would you agree with that? Right? It, it, it's a struggle. I mean, as much of a blessing as, as cell phones and so, so forth are, it's still there's a there's a curse in there as well, and we're constantly checking. Well, what if you know? What if I get an email? Well, what if I don't get a text and all this other stuff? And so let me just kind of throw this out to you. Maybe you don't know this, but before email and before text messaging, the world still existed, and it functioned. And believe it or not, people still survived, and they figured out what they needed to get at the grocery store, and their kids went to school, and everything was fine. But we just sit there, and you watch some of the teenagers, and this is, this is a, I mean, I'm not making light of this. This is a huge concern 
They are inundated with it. How many times? Literally thousands of times a day. They're checking their phones for text messages and whatever else the social media stuff is. And, and it's, 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 again, as convenient as it is, there is something unhealthy about that. You need to disconnect and withdraw to a place where you're able to hear not just the ambient noise, but just the noise that's going on in your head about all the different things that are taking place. Look, look with me in Luke chapter 5, verse 16. And uh, if Jesus is our example, would you agree with that? <laughs> is Jesus our example? Last I thought we are Christ followers, okay? Just just checking. I, I didn't think we were, we were Facebook followers, but, you know, just checking here. So Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So if the Son of God needs to do it, probably we need to. Just a suggestion, maybe, right? And, and look, at, look at this. In, in uh, Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking. This is a message translation, but again, I think it has, has a, a, a part in there that I want to focus on. Find a quiet, secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. In other words, that means stop being spiritual, get on your knees, own up your problems, tell God your frustrations, say that you're angry at your spouse, whatever your problem is, quit trying to be spiritual, right? Quit playing games with God, just own it. All right, and then he goes on, he says, just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage, right? I like that part. And then here's, here's the great part, and this is why I put it in here. The focus will shift from to God, right? And then look at the byproduct of it. And you will begin to sense his grace. Here's what Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount, right? When you withdraw from the noise of the world, and you pull yourself away, you actually sense his grace in your life. You know, one of the reasons why we don't go to prayer often to God, because we're not really sure he's got our back. Again, the church answer is, oh, yes, we do believe that. Really? If you really believe that, then prayer would be your first step, not your last resort. But it's usually our last resort. In fact, we say, I've done everything else. i got to pray now. Right? And so what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, that as we withdraw and we quit playing games with God and we're honest, then we sense the shift goes from me to God and we sense his grace. And then Jesus later said in verse 31, don't worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. You want to know who does that? Pagans do. Well, who are pagans? Pagans are people who believe that there may be a supreme, a supreme being, but that God isn't interested in our daily activities. He just like said, poof, created everything and said, I'm busy, I got to go. And you fend for yourself. And Jesus says, the pagans do that stuff. But then when you recognize and you withdraw in that place and you experience the grace of, of, of his presence in your life, then you recognize God cares about what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. He cares about every single area of your life, the details of your life, right? And so as, as we withdraw, we begin to experience that. So I want to hear from God. I want to withdraw to clearly hear him. And then number three, and this is the one that we all dislike, and that is to wait. Don't we hate that? 
Isn't it easier just to keep pressing zero? When I get on an, uh, one of those automated phones, I just keep pressing zero, right? Because I know at some point the lady or whatever the voice is going to finally go, okay, you do need your medication. I'm going to send you to a real-life person. And I just keep pushing, right, listening. Now, the one phone systems that drive me crazy is when you push it, it takes you back to the very beginning. <laughs> ah, guilty. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. So it's like, okay. All right, look, look what he says here. Verse 1, he says, I will stand at my watch. And I highlighted some wrong words there, and I apologize for that. Uh, and station, and the, the phrase I want you to circle there is myself. Okay, Because, the, again, the Hebrew phrase or the, uh, the Hebrew word is that, is that I stay put, right? So I, I want to hear from God, I find a quiet place, and then I'm going to stay there until I literally hear from you, God. I'm not going to go off and do my own thing. I'm not going to say, okay, I'm tired of waiting. i got to make a decision. Now, here's the thing that we know about God. We know that God is not late. Would you agree with that? And the other part of that is, is we know he's not early. And we don't like that because we would prefer that he gives us an early warning so that we'll have plenty of time. But when we get in a hurry to make a decision and we feel like our back is against the wall, that is when we are going to make the wrong choice. And so better to pause and hear clarity from God is what you are to do than to run off and try to make the decision in your own flesh. Because when you make the decision in your own flesh, more often than not, you've got to hit reverse and go back and clean up some stuff. Right? And so really, you're no further down the road. You might feel that you are, but the reality is, is, is you're not any further down the road. Right? And yet we feel like the pressure of doing it, and I have to hurry up, and I have to hurry up, and I have to hurry up, and it's difficult to wait on God. Okay? Now, I'm going to just use me as an illustration. I don't know that I have ADD, but I do subscribe to ESPN, okay? That's a joke. Here's how my mind works when I close my eyes and I start to pray. Okay, God, I'm just going to humble myself. And then you have a scanner on your radio on your car. And you press the button and every two seconds it changes. That's what my mind does, right? It's like this song, this song, this song. And here's what this has done for me is I'll remember something that I was supposed to do six months ago, right? And for the longest time, this is true, the longest time in my quiet time, what I would do is I would close my Bibles and I would go and I would do those things. And then one day it occurred to me that I was being distracted and I never even connected to God. And what it was doing, it was getting me up out of my chair in my devotional time. And I was going and doing things that needed to be done, but it was preventing me from spending, spending time and sitting and waiting on God. So what I did is, and I got this from another pastor that told similar stories, I had a notebook. And so I have my Bible and my notebook. And when those thoughts rushed my mind about I got to follow up and you forgot to and you should have called and all that other good I just jot that down, and then I go right back to my devotional time. Because I don't know if it's the enemy. I think in some cases it, it is, and sometimes I think it's just the way that God wired me, right? But regardless of whether it's my own self or the enemy, what ends up happening is, is I don't do what I need to do, which is stop and, hit, and get clarity 
from the Spirit of God. And I go and I do chase, you know, loose things that need to be done, but they're not urgent things that need to be done, right? And so in that waiting period, you need to make sure that if your mind is one that's always spinning, that you just get a journal, just write down a little note thing. The other thing that folks struggle with is oftentimes they'll be, their mind will begin to condemn them. And again, I think this one is definitely from the enemy. And that's where you're sitting there and you're having your devotional time and you're waiting. And all of a sudden you feel like someone's just driving you deeper into, into the ground. You're praying. You trust God to show that. You think God's going to provide? You know what you did last week? You know what you did yesterday? You're not even worthy to bow your head and pray, right? And you get driven down deeper, deeper in despair. So let me give you a, a little picture here. In your quiet time, the Spirit of God will convict you. Conviction of the Spirit of God is when God taps you on the shoulder and says to you, you know how you treated your kids or your spouse or your coworker or whatever? That wasn't acceptable. You know better than that. You need to ask for forgiveness and you need to go make it right with that person. Right? And conviction, if we confess it, will always raise us to a better relationship and a closer relationship with the Lord. Okay? The other one, it feels the same way, but it's condemnation, and it's not from God. Condemnation is you're convicted, but instead of lifting you up when you confess it, it continues to drive you into the ground. You're worthless. I cannot believe you did that. Do you really think, right? And you get deeper, deeper, and deeper in despair. That is condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We just took the Lord's Supper. That is a visual picture that we have been covered with the blood of Christ. And when God looks at us as believers, he sees the righteousness of Christ. And we have been forgiven. Right? And so in that time of waiting, it's difficult to wait when your mind's going a bazillion miles an hour and you feel like someone keeps throwing you under the bus. Because you get to a point where you're like, no thanks. I'm not going to sit and be quiet and wait. I'm going to get up and try to make things happen. So you need to make sure that, that we, you walk through that step, uh, that stuff in order to see and to experience all that God has for you. In, in uh, Psalms, uh, where are we at? Psalms 40, uh, 46 verse 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. And so here's a couple things that you need to write down in your outline. You need to relax your mind. And again, I don't know if I have ADD. I joke about that. I, who knows? I probably do. But my mind is going a thousand miles an hour all the time. I can't slow it down. All right? It is hard for me to relax my mind. But I've recognized that if I don't downshift my mind, it affects my prayer life and it affects my body. And so I have to try to slow my mind down and relax myself and sit and be still in front of God and just allow him to speak into my life. Otherwise, man, I got random thoughts going a bazillion miles an hour. All right? The second idea is this. you got to calm your body down. Now, you cannot calm your body down unless you've calmed down your mind. And so you need to, you need to make sure that you've calmed down your body and you're able to, you know, to relax and, and take, take a deep breath. It is tough to be spiritual when you have a toothache. Do you agree with that? It is tough to be spiritual when you have a migraine headache. Would you agree with that? 
right? So if you aren't able to calm down your mind and your body, it's going to be difficult for you to focus. Someone said this. I thought it was kind of a cool thing, so I stole it. He says, inner calmness creates an inner calm to God. I like that. An inner calmness creates an inner calm to God. So that's something that we need to make sure that we do. And the third thing, you can jot this down, is that you expect God to speak. Expect God to speak. In Psalms, again, David says this in in chapter uh, 105, verse 5. He says, remember the wonders he has done, his miracles, right? And so I think it's always important in that time of waiting that we're stopping and we're reflecting on God's faithfulness from the past. Times that he has provided for you, times that he's answered, times that he's given you direction in your life. There's going to be times where you reach back and you pull out that file to remember God's faithfulness. If you're a new believer, sometimes it's like, oh, I haven't had any of those. Sometimes you have to live off someone else's experience in this case of a time where God was faithful to grandma or somebody in your family. And you've got to reach back and you have to remember those times because the waiting is a very difficult time to do. But if you don't wait and you rush ahead of God's plan, it's you're going to be redoing a whole bunch of stuff. And it's not worth it. Would you agree with that? Number four is to watch, and this is a tricky one. Let God give you a mental picture, all right? Now, look what what, uh, verse one, latter part of verse one says. He says, I will look to see what uh, what he will say to me. Doesn't he mean I will listen to hear? what he has to say to me? Jesus says, watch and pray. Why watch? What is that? More often than not, God will speak through a mental, visual picture in your mind. Okay? Now, some people say a vision, and everyone gets kind of nervous about that. Right? And I don't mean it in a mystical sense, but there will be a visual picture that you receive in your mind about the direction and guidance that God will give you. All through Scripture, Old Testament into New Testament times, God would reveal his vision in the person's mind. And so you can go back to Abraham, Joseph, Jacob, David, uh, Job, Isaiah. You get into minor prophets, the prophets, uh, uh, Isaiah. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, we'll look, at, we'll look at Jonah in his situation, Jeremiah, right, the same type of thing. New Testament times, same thing. You, you, you look at Peter, Paul, and Mary, right? God gave them a vision. They joined a band, and they toured, took all kinds of different drugs, and they seen all kinds of wacky things. No? Different Peter, Paul, and Mary. I gotta, I gotta remember what Bible to study in my office. I keep grabbing the wrong one. I keep grabbing Rolling Stones. It's the wrong one. <clears throat> Seriously, but you have that all through the New Testament as well, where God would speak to them in a visual picture in their mind. All right, and so that you need to just make sure that you recognize that in your life. Does God speak? You know, where you hear Him. Some people say that they had those experiences. Other people not. But the reality is, the, 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 the more important way is, is the visual picture that God will often give you in your life. David was struggling. 
And uh, David, if you read Psalms 73, David was struggling with something that I struggle with every time I watch the news. He's like, the wicked are prospering, the, the righteous are unhealthy, they're, they're dying, they have illnesses and so forth. The wicked just seem to get richer, there's no justice. You know, why is it that the, that the righteous are getting rained on and the wicked seem to keep going? You ever feel that way, right? Don't you wish just for a nanosecond you could be God? Yeah, you do. Come on. You're like, oh, I'd like to fix that. Right? <clears throat> David's struggling with the same thing. And he goes into a place of worship. And all of a sudden it made sense. You know what the picture was that God put in his head? God says, listen, they look like they're prospering, but they're on a slippery hill. And there'll be a day where they'll slide off that hill. And your feet will be secure. And he gets a picture of that. And in, 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 in your outline there, in verse 17, he says, it didn't make any sense until he enters into the sanctuary. Now, that doesn't mean a sanctuary like a place, you know, a building as much as it is a place of worship where God speaks to him. And all of a sudden, he's like, ah, now I get it. Right? So let me, let me share this with you. This is not thus says the Lord. This is Pastor Dan's experience, this, this, this principle. Oftentimes in guidance, where I'm seeking God's will, whether it be personal or whether it be for the church, um, God will give me a visual picture of a passage. Now, not a passage that I remembered, not a passage that I memorized, not even a passage that I studied. But I will get a kind of a, a mental picture of a verse. And probably about eight, 17, 18 years ago, I started experiencing that, and being a quick learner that I am, I just discounted it, okay? And I'm like, okay, great, Matthew 22, 16. God, I need direction, right? You ever done that before? And so one day, because I'm so smart, I decided I'll look up the verse. And so kind of out of disgust, I turn over, I grab the Bible, I flip through it, and to my amazement, I shouldn't have been, but to my amazement, that that verse spoke to the exact situation that I was asking God for direction on. And ever since, and I could tell you hundreds of examples of times in my life where I get the, the visual picture, not a verse that I memorized or studied, but it will take me to, in some cases, a random verse, and I'll look at it, and it will speak directly into. A few times there have been uh, some verses that talked about potential like trouble down the road and that kind of stuff. And it's, that's an unsettling feeling. And sure enough, there would be some struggles that were coming down the road that God was preparing me for in my life. And so if you have, again, this isn't thus says the Lord, this is just Dan's experience. But if, if you have those experiences where God illuminates that verse in your mind, hey, take a look at it. Because it may very well be exactly what God is trying to reveal to you. If God is sovereign, cannot God give a picture of a verse in your mind? Absolutely he can, right? And a verse that you might find random, God through all the verses can go through and say, you know, Dan needs that verse in his life right now. And so make sure that you, you kind of pay attention to that, all right? And here's another, here's another thought that you need to write down in your outline. When you're watching for God's direction, you need to ask God a specific question, not a general question. Too often we ask general questions. 
All right. If it's about a relationship, if it's about a job, if it's about finances, if it's about whatever you need to ask, don't say, Lord, give me direction. What does that mean? Right. So you need to ask a very specific question when it comes to your time of communicating with him in his life. It's like oftentimes people say, Lord, bless me. What does that mean? The reality is God could bless you by removing things from your life. It doesn't feel like a blessing, but nonetheless it could be. And so we need to make sure that we're asking specifically about what it is that we're asking. Look with me in James chapter 1, verse 5. He says, if any of you, and again, this is a verse that I live by. If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God who gives it generously. Now here's the good thing, okay? To all without finding fault. So God isn't up in heaven going, how many times, Daniel? How many times? You keep asking the same thing. I'm tired of hearing it. James says that it honors God when we ask, and he gives it to us generously in our life. And then it goes on and it says in verse 6, but when he asks, he must believe. You have to expect God to speak into your life. You shouldn't be shocked. You should believe that he is going to speak into your mind. And not double-minded because he, uh, he who doubts is like the wave, right? Back and forth, back and forth. And so we ask a specific question. We ask about wisdom for it. We expect God to give it to us. And we're not shocked when he gives it to us. And when he gives it to us, we believe it. And we move forward with it, even though we may not like it, even though it may not feel comfortable, and even though it may be calling us out of our comfort zone, we believe it, and we're going to move forward in it. Right? (laughs) Number five. Uh, That's it. God, you are sovereign. <laughs> All right, here's, the, here's the number five. Write, write it down, right? When God gives you the direction, you need to record the idea that you have received. In, again, in verse two, uh, uh, chapter two, verse two, he says, and the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on the tablets so that the herald may run with it. You know what he wrote down? Anybody have any idea what he wrote down? The book of Habakkuk. Isn't that amazing? Who would have known? So the book that we look at, the book that we're studying at this verse, is the book that he wrote. Because he wrote it down. He asked God six questions in chapter uh, 1. God reveals how to get it in chapter 2. And he reveals that he worships in chapter 3. And Habakkuk writes it down. Now, why is it important to journal? All right? Let me just share with you. This is a huge principle in Scripture of understanding and discerning the will of God. God reveals himself in a linear sense, step by step by step. As I'm faithful and I trust him, I step. I believe him. As I'm faithful and trust him, I take the next step. And it's a linear sense. It's a step by step by step. If you journal, okay, If you journal your prayer 
and your direction that God gives you, it gives you a roadmap of where you've been, and it will give you the guidance of where you're going in the future. Very rarely in Scripture, and I would be willing to ask any of you to try to find a spot where God, where a person who's obedient to God, God takes them this step, and then all of a sudden he says, okay, turn over there. Doesn't happen. Because he's using your gifts, your talents, your abilities. He's building your character, and it's a linear next step, next step, next step. So when you journal the guidance that God gives you, you're able to look back and say, okay, this is what you did in the past, and it will help you to look into the future of God's guidance and direction. All right, I go back like 20 years, 17 years in journaling, and I don't do it as, as much as I used to, but what's interesting is the stuff that I'm work, I was working on 17, 18 years ago, I'm still working on today. Right? Some of it I got it hammered out, some of it I've done okay, right? But, but what's interesting is God is consistent in my walk with him. And, I, and I'm able to go back, same verses that spoke to me in 17 years ago, speak to me today. And so you'll, it, it's, it's interesting to see how he begins to unfold it in your life, and it's important. Now, some people say, yeah, but it takes away the spontaneity of, of, of your prayer life and stuff. And I, and I think that that's silly. How many of you enjoy reading the book of Psalms? Does anybody? Okay. Do, does, do you know where the book of Psalms is at? Right? It's in, it's in the Disney version of the Bible, right? The book of Psalms primarily is David's prayer and God's answer. And, and again, that's one of the areas when people call and say, I'm discouraged. I say, read the book of Psalms, right? Because it's, it's so powerful, and it's David's prayer, God's answer, all right? And so I think it's important for us to look at that in our own life. <clears throat> and then the last one is, is to worship, okay? To worship, to thank God that he spoke to you. In chapter thir- 3 of Habakkuk, here's what he says. Lord, I have heard of your fame, and I stand in awe, or I stand and worship you in, in, in your life. And here is, this is what, to me, is so humbling. That when I go to the Lord, and I have an area of my life where I need guidance, and to have God take a verse and speak directly into my life, that is so humbling to me. That the one who spoke the world into existence, the one who has all the issues and all the struggles of this crazy earth, right, and all the problems of this earth, that God took time to speak into my life. To me, that is so amazing because we would think in a human standpoint, he's got far bigger fish to fry than little Pastor Dan in Oakley. And yet, in his sovereignty and his love, he speaks directly into each of our lives. And to me, that is so humbling. And therefore, it becomes so important that when he speaks into our life, that we're not willing to negotiate with him, but that we're willing to say, yes, Lord, wherever it is, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. And I hope and my prayer is that some of you have big decisions that you need to make. I challenge you, take the step. Don't move until God gives you clarity in your life. Do not take the next step, because otherwise you're going to be undoing and fixing 
a wrong step, and it's very painful. Thank you.